Hey there, Mike Williams with Genesis, and uh, good morning or good evening, depending on uh, when you're listening to this podcast. This piece is um, is from uh, God, thirty years of experience. Uh, themes you begin to learn over time, themes that come from the crowd and the crowd psychology, the process that that people go through to react emotionally to. Uh, to market events and economic events and global events. I've learned over time uh, that the markets are basically a um, almost a brainwave of society. When we feel good, markets rise. When we feel bad, markets fall. And uh, there are peaks and valleys that you begin to read and understand uh, after many, many different experiences. Um, So this piece is about uh, what we've deemed the five most expensive words in investing. And it it comes from uh, many years and many turns in the market. Uh, And hearing it from all over the globe, literally, no matter where I did a talk or a speech or a presentation or a conference or whatever it was, um, this same phrase was repeated at very key times, and this podcast is going to be about those times, so you can begin to learn why these words can be very expensive. Uh, The words, by the way, the five most expensive words are, it's never been this bad. So what do you mean by that? Let's go back in time and um, see what those words have meant. In 1982, I started in this business. It was August. I was lucky. I did not know at the time, but I was extremely lucky. I was starting in the very month that began what became a 20-year secular bull market. Well, 18 years, technically speaking. Um, When I first started, obviously, I was new. Uh, I was the rookie. I was the young kid. I was the one who didn't know anything. I remember saying to clients when, by the way, when I began, the Dow was at 970, 970, that's the Dow Jones Industrial Average. I remember saying to people when it broke 1,000 after not seeing that number for seven years, back in 1975, it peaked in the mid-70s, right at 1,000, and it went down for many years. and, and what happened was, is we then called in the early 80s, we called the 70s a lost decade because nothing had gone anywhere. Um, so uh, when it broke a thousand again, um, my teachings had taught me that you should pay attention when a market makes a new high because it is effectively trying to express what the future is going to look like. Now. I want you to keep in mind what 1982 looked like. Um, by then, uh, previous President Carter was famous for a speech where he stated that a majority of the United States population felt that our best days were behind us uh, because of the 70s. We, we had dragged on for years going nowhere, but by the time we got to the early 80s, uh, inflation was through the roof. Uh, you couldn't imagine today that we're, we're fearing deflation, but, but inflation was the problem. It was 15.5% at its peak. Um, Paul Volcker was fighting off inflation with high interest rates. The prime rate hit 20.5%. 20.5%. If you wanted to buy a home in the 
early 80s, your mortgage was somewhere between 15 and 18 percent, depending on how much you bought down the points. Now, on top of all of that, we had OPEC causing problems. We had our first beginning infant worries about energy and where we would get it. Uh, OPEC was strong. Uh, consumers hit their first dollar mark on gas uh, cost, uh, dollar per gallon. I remember a headline in 1982 that said, the United States consumer would never be able to afford a dollar a gallon gasoline. Imagine today if we had a dollar a gallon gasoline. My point to all this is that when I expressed to people that we ought to pay attention, that the market was breaking out for a reason, that money was flowing into growth and that the market was possibly looking at a better upside, I heard the same theme as a response. Uh, and, and this was the theme. They said, Mike, you don't understand. It's never been this bad. So I took note of that and I thought, okay, well, maybe they know more than I do. And then the market basically went up until the crash in 1987. October 19, 1987, the Dow Jones dropped 22% in one trading session. Some of you may recall that. I recall it vividly. I know where I was. I remember typing notes and looking at every aspect of what was unfolding. And I remember telling clients, listen, we got to be patient here. This is, a, um, this is a fracture in process, not a fracture in our economy. Uh, things just went haywire. Back then, we called it portfolio insurance. Today, we call it high-speed trading. So interestingly enough, um, in 1987, on that horrible day, I remember spending the next week uh, on the phone with every client I could reach saying, listen, uh, we've just erased 22% of value. We've scared the hell out of everyone. We need to be looking for opportunity here. And they said to me, they said, Mike, the market just crashed 22%. You don't understand. It's never been this bad. And interestingly enough, when they said that in 1987, the Dow was at 1750 after crashing 22%, and that was 70% higher than they had told me previously the very same statement. They said in 1982 at Dow 1000, they said, Mike, it's never been this bad. So I made a mental note of that. I thought, okay, well, 70% gain in five years is pretty solid, but everybody still thinks it's never been this bad. And then the market went on. And in more than a couple, no more than a couple of quarters, uh, we had erased the 22% correction of October 19th, 1987. And we went on for a couple more years, and the Dow kept going up. And then we hit the 90s. You know, we had a, uh, many may not recall this, but we have had a previous real estate crash. The, the latest one was about residential property. The one in the early 90s to end the 80s was about commercial property. We had see-through office buildings in every major downtown city. When I say see-through, I meant there were these beautiful new buildings, wonderful architecture and glass sheaths. They were covered in these pretty colored glass plates and there were windows and you could see right through the building because there were no tenants. And commercial bank after commercial bank, SNL after SNL went bust. Major banks were taken over by the Fed. We lost at last total, as I recall, about 1,700 banks and SNLs 
all in the United States. It was a complete run on the trust of the banking system. <clears throat> the Fed had to create what was called the Resolution Trust Corp, the RTC, to take all the bad assets and liquidate them and make banks healthy again. They did whatever they could and they fixed it and the panic eventually uh, went away and passed into the, into the past. But strangely enough, I said, guys, we've got to take advantage of this. And they told me, they said, Mike, you don't understand. It's never been this bad. And I thought to myself, gosh, now, I've heard that a couple of times at opportune moments when fear was highest and opportunity was largest. And I remember at the time in the 90s when they were saying it then after the real estate crash, I thought, gosh, the Dow is 3,000. I remember hearing that at 1,000, and then I remember hearing it at 1720 after the crash in October of 1987. So I made mental notes of that, and then the market kept going up. And it spent most of the 90s rising. In the mid-90s, we flattened out because we thought we were going to have another recession. It never arose. Clinton was under presidency at that time. And we went on to 1998, we were in a Barron's article. Feel free to ask me for a copy of that. I'll let you see it. But importantly, everything we said in the article happened. It was posted to the Barron's uh, press on July 21st, 1998, summertime. In that article, we said, look, we think stocks are in a little bit of trouble after a very long run. And indeed, if you'll look back to 1998, the high day of the market that year was July 21st, 1998, the same date as the article. Uh, right after the article, uh, long-term capital, a big hedge fund up in Connecticut, blew up. A bunch of smart guys went wrong, and lots of money was lost. A panic set in. The bond market reacted. The Fed had to step in. Right after that, the Russian ruble collapsed, and the economy was falling apart over there. Then after that, it took down the, the Asian tigers and the market sure indeed corrected. It corrected almost 25%. Everybody said a new bear market had set in. It was October of 1998. It all happened in a relatively short period of time. And we got called again by Barron's and we said, listen, everything we were worried about in summertime has now unfolded. Now it's time to be aggressive again. And I remember telling clients, guys, you need to understand this is an opportunity. The future is brighter than we think. And it usually is, by the way. And I got told, Mike, uh, you don't understand. The Asian tigers are falling apart. The Russian currency crisis. Europe is in trouble. This is going to be a domino effect. And Mike, get this. You don't understand. It's never been this bad. And I was struck by the fact that I kept hearing the same sentence all over the world over different periods of time, nearly 20 years apart, and all at the periods where the market was opportunistic. It was full of fear, it was full of doubt, but that's when you get your best prices. So we launched up into the bubble top of Tech 2000. And of course, everybody loves stocks in that last year. You couldn't get enough of them. I, I once told clients you couldn't pry stocks out of dead hands in 1999. By the way, our Barron's article in 1998 said, hey, don't buy stocks right now, buy commodities. That was when crude oil was 11 bucks, copper was 40 cents, iron was literally pennies on the dollar. 
we were talking about China at the time and everybody else was talking about Cisco and Microsoft and Intel. I made a bet with some guys and I said, I'll tell you what, you buy some Cisco and I'll buy some copper and we'll see who has more money in 10 years. History proves which one of those was right. The tech bubble came in and it cratered the stock market from 2000 to 2003. And I remember telling everyone all the way down, I wrote a morning note to clients often and people would send me a note and they would say, Mike, when's it safe to buy stocks again? And my answer was always the same. It got to the point where I literally cut and pasted the item in. I said, when it's time to buy stocks, you won't want to hear that it's time to buy stocks. And the last thing you'll want to do is buy stocks. Sure enough, 2003 rolled around. And I said, guys, we've cut the market in half. We've got to do something about this. Everybody hates stocks. We're hitting record amounts of negative sentiment. This is where we should start sifting through this garbage and find some good deals because that's how opportunity arrives. It arrives in dirty environments, in questionable, fearful environments. It arrives when the horizon is dark, not bright and sunny. And you know what I got told? I said, I got told, they said, Mike, you don't understand. It's never been this bad. Things are never going to get better. And then from 2003 up to 2007, the market basically went back up that same amount it had corrected. And it got to the old highs, and everybody loved stocks again, only after they were at old highs. They loved stocks because now real estate was the driver. All you needed was real estate. Remember that? It was 2007. In 2000, all you needed was tech stocks. Those collapsed. But everybody forgot about that by 2007, and we were worried again, and we were on air quite a few times, CNBC, Bloomberg, Fox, whatever. We said, guys, everybody loves real estate. The, the opportunity is gone. When everybody loves something, the fuel has been spent. And then everything collapsed, and the financial world came to a halt. March of 2009, no one wanted anything. No one would go outside. They wouldn't buy anything. They were terrified of the future. And I heard again, when things were the cheapest, I heard again, Mike, you don't understand. It's never been this bad. Well, here's my point in this podcast, in this report that we call the five most expensive words. Think about those times. Let your mind go back to those periods. And my guess is you felt those same emotions. We all did. Some acted differently in response to those emotions. And the theory here is this. The lesson, if you will, after 30 years of watching people do the same thing over and over again, the lesson is this. Our best opportunities come when things look terrible, when they're questionable, when the horizon is dark. When everyone around you is terrified is when you're going to get your best deals. And as an investor, for a long-term investing plan, we need to be aware. We need to have our senses open to those events. They're difficult to act upon. They're terrifying to build within. They make you question everything your brain is sending to you. But in the end, what history has proven to us is that every single time the crowd thought it's never been this bad was a time to be aggressively proactive instead of running for the hills. 
it was a time to understand that the markets see a better future when things look the darkest to us. That's the cycles that have worked in economies and markets since the beginning of time. They're tough to handle. It wasn't meant to be easy. Building wealth is not a simple task. It demands discipline and patience, and it demands an ability to overcome the huge fight-or-flight syndrome that takes place when our minds tell us it's never been this bad. So there you go. I hope this has been helpful. I hope it adds some value. I hope you remember it because it will repeat again. We can assure ourselves that in the future more dark times will arrive and we need to be ready mentally and emotionally to understand that the next time we are certain that it's never been this bad, we have to learn to fight against that and take advantage of the opportunities that will exist at that time. Thanks again for your time. We hope it's been helpful for you. Pass this along if you like. Give us a call if you need. And have a great day.